podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hey, you hear that? That's what home field sounds like. It's how you know it's time to go for the win. Gambet DC is your home field advantage for sports betting. Bet from almost anywhere in DC with an easy to use app and convenient betting locations district wide. Online, in app, or in person. Get the home field advantage with Gambet DC. Must be 18 or older to bet. Please play responsibly. Hey guys, what is going on? Welcome to the League Nerds Cricket Podcast. It is Rob, it is Rich, and today we have four huge games of cricket to go through. India versus Afghanistan, Black Caps versus Scotland. That Group 2 stuff is really, really heating up. We've got injury news and plenty more to get stuck into. How are you today, Rich? Yeah, not bad, mate. Not bad. You've got a sleepy voice on there, Rob. <laughs> I have. This uh, overnight World Cup thing is uh, is testing <laughs> the old sleeping skills. You know, it starts, the games start when you're supposed to be going to bed and finish when you wake up. So basically, you just don't sleep. No, no, that's it. That's it. You've got to keep up to date with it. I have some priorities, man. Exactly, exactly. Prioritizing mm-hmm. cricket over life at the moment. And it's, uh, I, was, I was talking to someone the other day and said, it's, to me, it feels one of the better World Cups that we've ever seen. It feels competitive and it doesn't matter who you are, where you're from. You need skill sets across all domains of the game to be, to be good at the moment. Yeah, it's great. It really is. We spoke about it last time, didn't we? It is a really, really good competition. It doesn't quite feel like there's enough hype about it still. And I don't understand why, because like you said, it, there's every aspect of cricket has to be, uh, every, the teams have to be well on top of every aspect of cricket, don't they, to, uh, to be competitive in this one. So yeah, quality, it's quality. And it keeps going on. But big first news, isn't it? Quite sad first news that one of those star players is going to miss the remainder of the tournament for England. Yeah, um, I think that's where we've got to start, isn't it? Tim or Mills ruled out of the competition. Um, right thigh strain, he picked it up in the last game, didn't he? Uh, he was just getting into his, was it his second over uh, and he pulled up uh, lame. So he's had a scan, right thigh strain, he's gone. Um, he took seven wickets, Rob, at uh, an economy rate of eight, 15.42. He's a joint leading wicket taker for England. Um, that looks like he's just had his thigh strain there with that picture, doesn't it? <laughs> it does, doesn't it? Oh, I like the headband yeah. shot, though. There's a lot of great headbands going around. Afghanistan players have got some great headband work as well. But uh, but yeah, really disappointing for England, really disappointing for Timo Mills. Obviously, he had so many injury concerns, hasn't he? Um, as he tweeted out, he's been here before. He knows what he needs to do. He's going to come back stronger. But unfortunately, he won't be back to what they need within the next 10 days. Uh, so with they, he and they have made that big, important decision to uh, to drop out. Uh, Reese Topley is the man, the big, tall guy. Um, Surrey, I think, at the moment, isn't he? He's moved around a little bit, but uh, he's uh, he's back in. Uh, the big left armour. So he's going to add some pace uh, and bounce to the squad. Uh, they still have David Willey, Tom Curran and Mark Wood in the squad as well. So plenty of options still for Owen Morgan in England uh, before that final group game against South Africa. And then hopefully a semi-final and a final. Yeah, you never know, mate. It's it's a little bit good for, for Mills because he's been through big the rigour a little bit when it comes to injuries over his career. And mm. it was always like, oh, wow, there's this guy who can bowl 90 mile an hour. He's great. His left arm, he ticks so many boxes. Yeah. And every time he broke down and he's finally got himself fit for a period of time, mm. managed to get game time at international cricket because he's always kind of been good enough. And uh, to see him go by the wayside is deeply disappointing. But it it almost echoes the same path that Reese Topley has been taking. Highly touted, mm. highly talked about, had to retire from Red Bull cricket at one stage in his career. Yep. And now is in the position where he's going to get international 
I want to call it fame and fortune and everything <laughs> thrown at him. But he's earned yeah. the right to be at the World Cup for England and be a backup. Yeah, it's funny. When you were just saying all that, I was thinking you were talking about Reese Topley. <laughs> and then you yeah. said... Reese Topley is just the same as Timo Mills, and you're absolutely right. What was great to see about Topley as well, after all that you've just spoke about, um, he did come back strong last summer, didn't he? He was even playing some red ball cricket, which was yeah. just unthinkable a few years ago for Topley. So really, really pleased for him. He gets an opportunity. This is the way it goes. And you often see in these competitions where the man that comes into the squad late is the man you need. Um, so it wouldn't surprise me at all if Topley was playing against South Africa. Uh, get him in there and get him up and running. Uh, I'm not sure they're overly enthusiastic about getting Willie or Curran in perhaps uh, maybe Mark Wood will get a game but uh, but we shall find out in the coming days won't we yeah yeah disappointing for England but the thing about mm. good teams is you've got to go through some adversity at some stage of the tournament they've had it pretty yep. easy so far and this is going to be the first real challenge they've got um, yep. other things going on Rich we've got four games to go through in, in this yep. episode of the Leading Nets Cricket Podcast so before we crack on if you are brand new here subscribe button down below click it if you love cricket content this is the place mm-hmm. to be as well you can go and find our podcast we are available absolutely anywhere you want to listen to a podcast mm-hmm. you're probably going to find us there so if you enjoy podcast <laughs> go find us there Rich let's kick into it let's start with the games from yesterday before we get into um, this This is India's current face happy South Africa, <laughs> Bangladesh, New, uh, South Africa, Bangladesh, Pakistan, Namibia from yesterday. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So we, we started obviously with news of England and England will be playing South Africa next. But before we get onto that, obviously, they did take on Bangladesh yesterday. Um, ahead of the game, though, for the big news for this game, for a start, it wasn't for South, from South Africa, which is a, a relief for the South African camp. Uh, it was a Bangladesh camp the big news came from, and that was Talisman Shakib Al Hassan would miss the rest of the tournament with injury. Huge blow for him, obviously. He's performed so well with both bat and ball. Um, so on the field and in this game, Rob, uh, South Africa jumped into second spot in Group A with a third win in four games. So they dismissed Bangladesh for just 84 runs. Uh, a solid six-wicket win was claimed by South Africa. Obviously, they're not going to have too much trouble chasing down 84. Um, Bangladesh, in their innings, they just kept losing wickets. Um, I, they were all out by the 19th over, and it's only really the opener, Litton Das on 24, and Mahedi Hassan, 27, that posted respectable scores for the Lions. For the Tigers? For the Lions. Tigers, isn't it? <laughs> Getting my cats mixed up. Uh, so, with the ball for South Africa, Kagisa Rabada claimed a man of the match award of his impressive three for 20 off his four overs, while Andre Naughty, Nokia, Nokia, we'll, we just we do every single pronunciation in the hope that we might get close to one. He claimed an unreal three for eight, including wrapping up the last two wickets off just 3.2 overs for the big fella. Uh, Tabri Shamsi took two for 21 off his four, and Dwayne Pretorius grabbed the other wicket. Uh, he just went for 11 off three as well. So, a really, really good good performance from South Africa. They're getting some confidence um, and getting some form in the in the, the boots of all the players. Um, really impressive outing from the Pateas. Um, and they did, but they didn't have it all their own way with the bat. Reza Hendricks went very early, removed in the first over by Taskin Ahmed to give Bangladesh hope. And they did take four wickets overall, two for Taskin and one apiece for Mahedi Hassan and Nassim Ahmed. But captain for South Africa, Temba Bavuma. He's been doing it all, hasn't he, in the last week yeah. or so. But he saw his team home with an unbeaten 31 to claim that six-wicket win. Um, they're hitting form at the right time, aren't they, South Africa? Yeah, they are. The bowling attack is quite dangerous. And I think mm. I've discredited Pretorius as a bowler, as a fifth bowler in this tournament pretty early on. And what you've seen from him, he's gone and picked up about 10 wickets at not very many with a really low strike rate. So that shows how much I know about it. So their bowling <laughs> attack is something to be feared. I do worry about their batting lineup. Now, Temba Bavuma has been fantastic and he opened the batting when he needed to, when Dukok was 
doing decop type things. And Bavuma has generally batted down the order and given some solidity around the bottom of that innings. But it does it does pose a slight problem for this team at the moment. If if you look at this this excellently thinged thing that's yeah. right in front of your screen, South Africa are below <laughs> average on the strike rate against pace bowling and below average on the strike rate against spin bowling, which isn't massively where you want to be. You want to be where England are, where you're, you're above average on both. Yeah. That for South Africa is a problem. And when they come to play against an India, a Pakistan, an England or someone like that, I do worry about their ability to go and chase hard and chase well and go and score decent runs. Even here, they knocked them off, but they knocked them off at a 106 strike rate, which is great. They've absolutely battered Bangladesh, who are now 0-4 in the group, but they've done it at a 106 strike rate, which isn't going to do your net run rate any good when it is pretty close mm-hmm. to Australia in terms of who's going to get second place in that competition. The, the bowling is exceptional, though. Rabada is class, and when he's on song, he's he's just wonderful wonderful to watch. Shamsi continues to have a... just. It's not a breakout year. He's been good for a couple of years, mm. but he's right up there with one of the best spinners at the moment. But one thing they did really well in this game, they dotted Bangladesh up, built pressure. And you can see mm. throughout the power plays, 28 for three Bangladesh in the first power play, 38 for four, and then 22 for four collapsed in the final stages of the mm. game. South Africa's bowling attack just way, way too strong. Yeah, absolutely. Any team that's got... Um... Nokia, Naughty, Naughty, <laughs> and Rabada in the team have got a standing good chance. We've seen that, haven't we? The, the pace bowlers, that have gone, guys that have got express pace, have been getting the reward in this and they've backed up with some really, really good spin uh, with Shamsi. So, um, yeah, I mean, they've got a tough final game, haven't they? You know, nothing is is settled in this Group 1 at the moment. England, obviously, top four, played four, won four, eight points. South Africa now are in second place with six points. They are ahead of Australia, who have that game in hand. So, but South Africa have to take England on. So they're going to be watching very, very carefully as Australia uh, finish off uh, with their last two games. And one of those games will be against Bangladesh. Um, so you'd certainly expect at least one win for Australia in the in the running. Um, they look a good team, South Africa. I think, I think I said last game that I think Australia will just pip them to it. But after every game, South Africa just keep doing what they need to do. They're not ripping up any trees. They're not, you know, like your stats are just showing there, Rob. They're not doing anything outrageous, but they're just going about the business really, really well. Um, and they just look quite clinical at the moment, and yeah. they haven't really had a massive test, have they? And I, you know, England's England's a test. If they, if, it wouldn't surprise me if they beat England, <laughs> just the way they're playing <laughs> at the moment, because they have to win. It's as simple as that. They, they do. They did lose to Australia, mm. but I suppose there's mm. there's something about you winning games of cricket. It's not about winning with the ultra high strike rate. Afghanistan, like it, it it's if you're going to win enough games, it does become meaningful. But at the end mm. of the day, if you win more games than the guys that are in third, you're going to go through and it doesn't matter. And it doesn't matter <laughs> how you get there in the end. Yeah, absolutely, mate. Absolutely. So let's move it on to Group uh, Group B, Group 2, whichever, whatever we're calling it these days. Uh, Pakistan, Namibia. So Pakistan, they continue their fine run, run of form and they've joined England now as the second four wins in four games team uh, after they overcame this Namibian side to win by a comfortable 45-run margin. Um, batting first, then Pakistan hit 189 for two, a fantastic score. Um, thanks largely to their ultra-successful opening partnership from Mohamed Rezwan and Captain Baba Azam. They put on 113 before Azam was out first man in the 14, 15th over, 14.2 overs, going for 70 off 49, caught Jang Frylink off the bowling of David Weisser. Uh, Frylink then struck with the, uh, with, the, with the ball in his next over to claim Fakir Zaman for just five. Mohamed Hafiz joined... Um, 
joined uh, Rizwan then. He smashed an unbeaten 32 off just 16. And Rizwan carried his bat, finished unbeaten on 79 off 50 balls, eight fours, four sixes, and rightly claimed the Man of the Match award for him. Uh, really tough outing for the Namibia attack, who generally kept things quite tight in the previous outings. But this was a bit of a bit of a wake-up for them, wasn't it, about the standards um, at, the, at the very top. Um, so in reply, they did improve on the last game total. They just they got 98 for nine last time out in Namibia. So they really did improve on that. 144 for five in the 20 over chase. They never really threatened the Pakistani bowlers. And David Weiser, as ever, it seems, top scored with an unbeaten 43 off 31. Whilst Craig Williams, he got 40 off 37. And opener Stephen Bard struck 29. Um, it was a single wicket uh, outing for Hassan Ali, Imad Wazim, Harris Raf, and Shadib Khan for Pakistan. Um, so, yeah, four wins and four for Pakistan. Namibia struggling again, uh, but they, they can still be proud of their achievements. And uh, and Pakistan just go, just keep uh, steamrolling anything that comes in front of them. Pakistan are pretty good at this T20 game, eh? Not, <laughs> like, bad. Not bad. They're useful. They, they are useful, but they've got a really interesting philosophy how they play the game. You watch a lot of teams and they go bonkers. <laughs> for six overs, try and score as many runs as possible. Now, you see Pakistan today, they scored 29 in the first six overs, but what they do better than other teams is they have wickets in hand. They're scoring it less than run a ball in the power play overs throughout the competition, but what makes them unique is they've only conceded two wickets throughout the competition in the power play, and that Mm. allows them to have the same approach that works for them time and time again. 89 for one, they scored in the middle overs from over 7 to 15, Working it around, scoring boundaries, strike rate of 164. Mm. They lead the way in the competition um, with the middle over strike rate that they're scoring. But at the death, when we've seen it with Asif Ali throughout this tournament, is really where they come into their own. They're the only team in the competition with a strike rate of over 200 in the death overs of all games Mm. played. Scored a strike rate of 236 here, 71 for one in those last overs. So even when you think you've got them on the rails at the start of the game, they keep coming good towards the end. I was a, a little bit perplexed about in, um, Namibia's approach. They didn't bowl any spin in this in this mm. game. The first time throughout the whole competition, no team, uh, a team has gone and not bowled a spinner at all. So Seamers, you know, did the best they could, but only bowled 34 dot balls, 29% of the balls. That is ultra, ultra low. You're talking 41, 42% as an average. So mm. if I'm Namibia, I'm really proud. If I'm... Uh, David Visa, I'm ultra mm-hmm. proud because yeah. on the big screen, this is going to be a lot easier to see. Fourth highest run scorer, I think it is, in the competition with his strike rate way above what the average is at the moment. Yeah. He's doing really, real, really, really well for himself. And it probably goes to show he should have mm. been one of those guys that's played a hell of a lot more cricket at international level throughout his career because he's done it with the bat, he's done it with the ball, and Namibia can hold the heads up high in Pakistan do what we expected them to do. We expected them to beat Namibia. We expected them to score 180 runs. They've done all of that. They've done all mm. of that. The test for Pakistan is how do they go against England? And I'm calling out England because England are the best middle over bowling team in this competition by a country mile. How mm. do they go against a team that can restrict them and put pressure on and create more pressure towards the end of the game? Absolutely. And the big strength for the Pakistan batting is obviously Rizwan and Azam as an opening yeah. partnership, as you saw on that little graphic there as well. They've both scored almost 200 runs, 199 for Rizwan and Azam's got 198. Five half centuries between the two of them in the four games they've played so far. It's it's simply superb. Their record overall in T20 cricket is incredible between the two of them. Um, so that is the key, isn't it? If a team can get into that opening partnership early, 
you've got absolutely every chance to uh, to, to get involved with a Pakistan batting lineup. But whilst those boys are uh, doing what they keep doing, they're going to keep winning games of cricket. It really is as simple as that. So, uh, yeah, make a I mean, good point on, you make a good point on Rizwan, mate. And I think he needs to be called out more than Babar Azame. Even though they've yeah. got the same amount of runs, 199 mm. and 198, Rizwan scores at a 61% boundary percentage, which is equal to Joss Butler. And Joss Butler's yeah. having a cracking World Cup. And he scores a boundary every 5.5 balls, whereas Joss Butler scores it every 5.1 balls. So he's... Mm. You know, a few less runs, 20, 15, 16 less runs than Joss Butler, but he's having an equally impactful and good and high-quality World Cup. Oh, too right. Yeah, he's he's class. He's absolutely class, isn't he? Babar Azam is always going to be the guy you think of first when you're thinking of quality uh, bat- Pakistan batsmen. But Rizwan has been incredible for a long, long time. He's averaging yeah. half a run short of 100, isn't he, in yeah. this competition? That says everything I need to know about him. So, so yeah, long way to continue for them. Um, yeah, Nam- Namibia though, one win in three for them. Obviously, they're going to aim to claim another scalp as they finish this competition off. Uh, they take on New Zealand next. We'll finish off against India. Two tough, tough games for them, but you never know. Um, shocks can happen. Uh, Pakistan will aim to make it five in five in the last group encounter when they take on Scotland on Sunday. Mm. Interesting, mm. interesting times for for that group. So this is how Group Two looked after the day, and. Uh, I, I think Namibia can be really proud. Even if Namibia, their achievement is the one win, they finish above Scotland, mate. That is a, that's a fine, fine effort. Oh, absolutely. They, I don't think, I'm, I'm sure they hoped they would qualify for this part of the competition, but I don't think they expected to. And I don't think yeah. many people gave them much of a chance. So the fact that they got through in the first place is amazing. They've won a game of cricket. It's been a great experience for them all. Uh, and it's just shown them what they can achieve. Uh, and I'm sure having those experienced people like David Weiser in the squad have, have just really, um, really helped this team along, hasn't it? So, uh, yeah, Pakistan looking good, looking good. And I like the comment that's just popped up there as well, Rob. Winning the toss against England would be the first thing um, to, to go in, to go into winning the game. Yeah, uh, it's, it's, not, it's not a bad shout, yeah. but I did like the way England <laughs> the other day went and did something different and batted first for a change mm. rather than chasing. So it, it, is a, it is a fair comment. I'd probably do that to England. But mm. you just never know, do you? This is a, a very, yeah. very good England team. And I think it's who plays better on the day. Yeah, absolutely. We hope that we do see an England-Pakistan game at some point. Um, I'm sure we will. Hopefully. Anyway, fingers crossed for both of us. Um, yeah. Should we get on to today's cricket then, Rob? Let's do it, mate. Let's do it. Your boys, New Zealand. New Zealand against Scotland started the day off. And this was a vital, vital win for New Zealand. An expected win, but still an absolutely crucial victory for New Zealand. Um, Scotland really made them sweat, though, as they gave it absolutely everything, trying to chase down the Kiwis. First innings total of 172 for five, but ultimately they ran out of steam, finishing 156 for five. But a really, really good effort. Uh, A man of the match knock of 93 off just 56 balls for Kiwi opener Martin Guptner was a headline innings, and I'm sure he's going to feel very frustrated he couldn't go on to reach that well-deserved 100. Um, He was removed with just nine balls left in the innings, holding out to long on off the bong of Brad Wheel, uh, gutting for Guptal. Um, Glenn Phillips got himself 33 off 37, but there was no other real contributions when you look up and down that card and watch the game. A bit of a disappointing effort, really. They could have gone on to get more, uh, but obviously that, uh, that, you know, Pivotal innings from Guptal made sure they'd got enough. Uh, Brad Will and Safian Sharif both took two wickets apiece, but Mark Kerr was probably the headline bowler for Scotland, taking just one for 13 off his four overs. Excellent figures for him. Um, like we spoke about Namibia, Scotland also should be proud of their efforts in this chase. It's every yeah. player contributed. And on another day, I think 
I reckon that they'll they'll think they could have overcome that New Zealand total with a bit of luck, perhaps. Um, Michael Lee's top scored with a fabulous 42 not out of just 20 deliveries down the order. Uh, but it was all the way through. Openers, Munzee, 22 off 18. Kyle Kurtz are opening and back in at 17 off 11. They impressed. Matthew Cross up at number three again, 27 off 29. And Richard Berrington, 20 off 17. Quality contributions, but just starts, aren't they? Yeah. Um, none of those guys could go on and really, really put that innings together. And then if you had, maybe one of them had done that, and then you had Lease coming in at the end, hitting that 200 strike, they might have had a chance to get a little bit closer. But hey, it is what it is, and it's a good effort from Scotland. Um, experienced New Zealand ball attack, obviously. Trent Bolton himself, he led the way with two for 29, and one for 24, respect records. Spinner, he showed he claimed two for 42. Um, so a really, really important victory for New Zealand because that Group 2, Group E, is a tough group. It, it sure is, mate. It's um, it's a, it, it's not the best performance you're ever going to see from this New Zealand team, but it's good mm. enough. And it's good enough to put them in a position where they are potentially going to be able to go through in this group. Martin Guptill... Return to form, absolutely massive for this team. His lack of form has been ultra concerning because it's always been Guptill and it's always been Colin Munro. Colin Munro, who's got the second or third best strike rate of any player in T20 international cricket since the last World Cup. Guptill being out of form puts huge pressure on Kane Williamson and Devon Conway, who are accumulators of runs. Conway more able to go on and go big with Glenn Phillips and Jimmy Neesham coming down, but it is a long tail. And Guptill looked quality. He was, I, th- I think the thing that meant that he didn't get to 100, he was shattered by the end of that innings. He put so much <laughs> into it. He he batted really, really well, hit mm. big ball, seven sixes, six, uh, six fours to go with it, picked the short boundaries as well, which is very, very mm. important because we've seen through this tournament, guys getting caught out in the boundary, misjudging how big a shot you actually need to do. He hit a ball 102 metres today. Second biggest six in the competition, equal with Josh Butler's 102-meter strike the other day. And Josh Butler is hitting some very, very big balls. And you always know when it's a big <laughs> shot. When, when you see them hit it and the batsman goes, what the line here. <laughs> yeah, that uh, felt I'm, good. <laughs> I, re- I really got a hold of that. Uh, Scotland were good. But one thing, Matthew Cross was exceptional in his mm. knock for a period of time. Adam Milne came on to bowl at him and he hit five boundaries on the bounce off yeah. the first five balls off him which was absolutely incredible. Sure, he slowed down towards the end, but he'll always mm. have that I hit five boundaries in and over at a T20 World Cup. And, you know, the, the, the result's arbitrary. We expected the Black Caps to win. Scotland gave a really, really good performance with themselves. I think the thing, when I've spoken about this Black Caps team, I was worried about the spin and people getting mm. after their spin attack. Mitchell Santner doesn't spin it heaps, but he bowled really well, went at 5.75 and mm. over. Ish Sodi was the one that went round the park. He was great against uh, mm. India in, in previous games, but he went at 10.5 economy rate. Three sixes, two boundaries, getting mm. slog swept to that short boundary was a real problem. But Black Caps will be happy. I think if, if you're not the associate nation, if you're the team that is supposed to win these games of cricket, you've just got to go out and score and you've got to go out and mm. win. And it doesn't matter how you get across the line, how pretty or how poor it is. The Black Caps will probably play similar and not look flashy against every single team they play against, no matter who it is. <clears throat> yeah, absolutely. And Scotland looking for a bit of pride, weren't they? Um, you know, they'll be very happy with their efforts. They'll be disappointed they've not done more in this competition, um, as I'm sure you, you'll bring up in a sec. Um, you know, really good comment here. 
Scotland haven't scored enough runs in their game so far. So the fact that they could actually put this score on the on the board, yes, they'll be frustrated with the result, but I think they'll be quite satisfied with their performance in this game. Um, and yet, you know, they're un- they're, they have without a win, aren't they? I was about to say they're unbeaten. They're reverse unbeaten, Rob. Uh, to use cricket parlance there. Um, <laughs> a lot of Bangladesh and India at this point were also uh, without a win joining Scotland. So, you know, they've got a couple of tough, tough games to come to finish with as well against India and Pakistan. So that's going to be really, really tough for them to get another win or to get a win. Um, but you, again, same as Namibia, you never, never know in this competition. Um, and after three games, New Zealand were level on points with Afghanistan, weren't they? Who held that second spot with a far superior net run rate. Uh, but yeah, Scotland, I think they'll be relatively satisfied with that performance. Yeah, I, I think so as well. And you, you see here, below average against uh, facing spin and below average strike rate against facing seam. But that's the same as South Africa, Namibia and West Indies all fall into that category. You can see yeah. from the Black Caps, exceptional scoring against um, against pace bowling, but not so good against scoring against spin. So if you're going to play against the Black Caps, what are you going to want to do? You're going to want to play more spin bowling where they can't quite get after it the same. But Scotland can be proud. They've got a 116 strike rate overall on the competition, mate. That's mm. <laughs> There are those fails. Um, and, you know, the m- number might be inflated playing against associate nations. But you could see from the comment we just had, they scored 60 against Afghanistan, 109 against Namibia. But they scored mm. 140, 150 against the Black Caps. So they'll, they'll take that every single day of the week. And if they batted first and scored 150... Mm they would have been really happy and given themselves a chance of winning the game. Absolutely. Absolutely, mate. Right, let's get on to the uh, the big one, shall we? So, <laughs> so, obviously, we just mentioned about Afghanistan were holding that second spot, weren't they, with that fantastic net run rate uh, after, the, uh, after three games. And they were up next. They played against the winless India. Will India make it? Well, I, I see, see somebody asking. We don't know. It's still a possibility now, isn't it? It's still a chance. Whilst, whilst India are playing, I'm not going to rule them out. So, look, they bounced back brilliantly. They've got two defeats, obviously, in the first two games to post a score of 200-plus in this competition. Um, very impressive 210 for just the two wickets. Uh, Kale Rahul and Rohit Sharma were re- reunited at the top of the order. Ishan Kishan missed out. Um, and this partnership well and truly paid off today. As they put 140 for the first wicket before Sharma was removed by Karim Janet for a 47 ball, 74. Really impressive. Uh, Kale Rahul went a couple of overs later for 69 or 48. So the two openers did most of the work and they were gone. But that didn't stop India. Rishabh Pan and Hardik Pandya then took India through to the close with rapid knocks from them both. Pan trying to slog himself off his feet at, at times. 27 off 13, whilst the promoted Pandya hit 35 off 13. Um Afghanistan, they use seven bowlers in the end. Obviously, it's one of those days, isn't it, where you're just trying in vain to find a way, trying to find a little chink in the armour of this Indian lineup. Uh, Gulbuddin Nave was the only other wicket taker alongside Janak. So that's for them. Um, Afghanistan's response was difficult. They came out, they've got a real attitude about them, a really positive attitude in the way they go about the game. And despite losing early wickets of Mohammed Shazad and Hazratullah Zaze, um, who are, you know, two of their most dangerous players, aren't they? If they get going early, Anything could happen for Afghanistan, but those boys did go early. But despite that, Afghanistan, they did try to keep a good rate going. But the uh, as they attempted to keep that run rate up, they just kept losing wickets. Uh, plenty of players got themselves uh, scores in the teens. Uh, and then Mohammed Nabi, 35 or 32, and Karim Janap, top scoring with 42, not out of 22. Um, it just wasn't enough, was it? Uh, Shami also, all, almost took a hat-trick in the 19th over. He got Nabi. He then, Janet pretty much, I think he should have been caught from Jadeja. It was a hell of a catch. 
third umpire overruled the on-field decision, uh, so he was not out. But then Rashid Khan was gone first ball after that. Game over. Um, ultimately, the Indian total and their efforts with the ball were just too much this uh, this Afghanistan side today, weren't they? Uh, they fell 67 runs short. Pretty good score, though. 144 for seven, uh, all things considered. Uh, a 66-run win for India and a nice little bump in their net run rate. Uh, quick just shout for the uh, Indian bowlers. Record Ravi Ashwin. How many times over the last few months have we been calling for Ravi Ashwin to get a game of cricket? Um, he came straight in, two for 14 off his four overs. Mohamed Shami, three for 32, whilst Bumrah and Ravi Jadeja also claimed a wicket apiece. So, before you jump in, Rob, India mm. have an outside chance of qualifying now. They're up and running. All depends on the outcome of that huge New Zealand-Afghanistan matchup, where they're yeah. going to need a very, very big favour indeed from Afghanistan. Wow, yeah. Net run rate's going <laughs> to come into play massively there. I think when we looked at this, there was there was a clear matchup that Afghanistan had an advantage on. India had been incredibly, incredibly poor throughout the competition playing against spin, which was a concern for everyone considering they're so good playing against spin. And Afghanistan had the best spin attack in the competition. And I feel like Afghanistan just got it wrong. And I don't know if there was injuries, but I feel like they got the selection wrong. And if it was me, I would have gone with the three spinners straight up. You can see India scored... Not quite as high off the spinners, 68 for non strike rate of 161, but 139 for two off the seamers. And there just wasn't enough spin bowl in it, in it for me. But this was clinical India. And the thing that Afghanistan do when they bat is the very much a, a similar model to the West Indies in which they absorb dot balls. Way too many dot balls. In fact, Scotland, Ireland, Papua New Guinea, Netherlands, Namibia and West Indies are the only teams below them in the, the amount of dot balls that they're eating up throughout the competition. But Afghanistan sit far and way above 60% of their runs come in boundaries, which is 5% more than the second team of England. So you can see their approach, but it just doesn't work all the time. And they got bogged down in those middle overs. 55 for three in the middle overs for Afghanistan. Hugely concerning and the reason why they lost the game because they know at the end they can score at 180 200 strike rate they got 53 for one in this game 48 for one in the power play early doors but they just got the middle of the game wrong and it just mm. just didn't work for them and it's a surprise mm. because they have been pretty reasonable throughout this competition in in the middle but they've only scored at 100 strike rate compared to the other ends mm. where they're right at the top of the of um, any statistics you want to look at. And I think that's an experience thing for Afghanistan yeah. and a quality thing. So you've got these guys that like hitting balls hard at the start and they like hitting balls um, well at the end. They need to keep growing as a team. They're in a, you know, not far off associate nation. There's more to T20 cricket than six overs at the start and five at the end. What do you do in the middle? And at the moment, they can't work out how they're supposed to play in the middle of a game. They could quite easily just bat on ball, rotate it around, go seven, eight and over. But they kind of get stuck in this mix of going, oh, well, I still need to try and hit a boundary this over and not being able to execute it when there's all the fielders back. It's it's an important part of the game. And it, you see when you look at Pakistan statistics, it's something they do really well. They grow as the inning goes. They score at 150 during those middle overs, which builds to the end, whereas Afghanistan dig themselves into a hole and then have to try and hit themselves out. And, it, you know, it, it works for them at the start and end sometimes. But we're seeing with the West Indies' competition, it can't work for you every time. 
No, no, you're absolutely right. Yeah, it's, it's, I think Afghanistan have overachieved in this competition from my perspective. I'm not saying they'll see that, but I think they have. Um, and it, it's just so open, this group now, isn't it? There's no reason why why either um, Afghanistan, New Zealand or India uh, can, can't qualify to go through. Um, Afghanistan have still got a good chance as well, haven't they? Um, it, it's, it has been a bit of a surprise. I just see in the comments just asking about Majib, uh, Majibu Rahman. Uh, he didn't play in the last game and he's not played in this game either, has he? Um, so I'm not quite sure what's going on. I must have missed if, if he's had an injury or not, but I, I don't... Yeah. I don't remember seeing that. And he was um, great it, in the game he played as well. He got a he bag was, full of wickets. He was. Uh, yeah, absolutely. So there's a bit of a surprise there, isn't it? They've just got, sort of been scratching around a little bit in the camp. Obviously, Asgar Afghan stepped down after the last game. Felt a bit final, didn't it? But they still have yeah. a, a chance of going on in this competition. So I don't, I'm not quite sure I wanted to see something as final in the middle of a group stage. All a bit strange, isn't it? But, uh, mm. but I mean, you, you just brought that group state group up, Rob. The big question was, can India go through as well, wasn't it? Yeah. Afghanistan play New Zealand. That'll close Afghanistan out. So if Afghanistan beat New Zealand, that'll put them on six points. New Zealand will have played four games. Afghanistan have finished. India, you've got to assume India will win their last two games. They play Scotland and Namibia. Namibia-India yeah. is the final game of this group stage. So you've got to assume that India will get onto six points as well. New Zealand's other game, apart before Afghanistan, they take on Namibia and then yeah. Afghanistan. So we could easily see Afghanistan finish on six, New Zealand finish on six, and India finish on six. Yeah. So then it all comes down to run rate. And that is, again, why it was so important that India won in the fashion that it did today. Um, yeah, so it, it's, I, there's, nothing, it, there's nothing between those three teams, isn't it? So I think we're going to see all three of those teams finish on six points. Um, if, but if New Zealand beat Afghanistan, it's uh, I think it's game over. I think yeah, yeah, you're you're right. You're exactly right. So New Zealand will beat Namibia next. Put them on six points. Um, yeah. You've got to think the Black Caps aren't going to get a massive plus three run rate in that game. It'll be a <laughs> standard Black Caps victory. Maybe bowl them out for one twenty and knock them off off sixteen mm. overs or so, something like that. Yeah, not going to not going to set the world alight. To me, I think India have a really outside chance. I feel Afghanistan are favourites. But you never know with this Indian team. They may have just started to hit form at the right time. And if they can have a big plus three run rate game where they bowl someone out really cheaply, then it blows it wide open. But at the moment, New Zealand Black Caps, uh, sorry, Mm. New Zealand Afghanistan, uh, which I think is on Sunday, is just, it's it's a knockout game for me at the moment. That's huge. That is the blockbuster game, isn't it, to finish out this this group stage. India, though, you know, the, the fact that they're playing Scotland and um, Namibia, there's every chance if someone like Bumrah uh, hits his stride and, you know, that sort of express pace, that sort of bowler that they don't come across very often, if he can rattle through a team, they could they could really improve their net run rate. And yeah. That could be the understatement of the century. Um, they could make a serious dent in the, uh, you know, in the in the Afghanistan New Zealand run rates uh, in comparison. Um, good to see as well as well. Thank you very very much for uh, for just adding in there. Yes, Majib is injured, but he might be back for the New Zealand game. That would be huge if he can get back in. They are a different team, aren't they, with him yes. and Rashid Khan, who you know Rashid Khan's played pretty well, but he's not quite had the success maybe you'd expect of uh, of one of the finest bowlers in in T Twenty cricket around the world. Um, yeah, that, I can't wait for that game. That is, game is going to be an absolute cracker, isn't it? New Zealand, Afghanistan, just just bring that on now. I just want everything to line up perfectly for that one to be the decider. 
<laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be a corker, mate. What about Group A? So Engl- England have qualified now. South Africa, Australia the, are really the only two teams in, in contention. In fact, they are the mm. only two teams in contention. Um, Australia play Bangladesh. Tomorrow. Then mm. Australia mm. play the West Indies, who can beat anyone on the day. South Africa yep. have England to play massive friday or saturday so saturday i think it is let's let's say let's say australia win both games Mm -hmm. and south africa basically you've got to go and beat england who may play a rotated team not wanting to get injured they may rotate their bowling attack it'll be a tough one because if if australia win both games they'll be on the same amount of points as england are at the minute they'll be up to eight points and if south africa then beat england that'll be three teams on eight points yeah. Um, so I'm not sure England will want to let it get that close. Um, so it all depends on those results. So I think if Australia, I think if Australia play both those games in advance uh, yeah. of the England game, yes, they do. So they play. That's so, so England are in a good position to name their team, aren't they? Because Australia play their their fifth and final game the morning of the England South Africa game. So Australia West Indies is there for the last game for the Aussies. Um, so if they do get that, make that two wins in two, uh, then I think England will will make sure they go strong. Um, because you just never know. <laughs> yeah. And run rate, although it's, you know, England are on 8.5 points in effect with their net run rate, there's just that little sneaky outside chance. Yeah, uh, exactly. You, you don't want to leave a, it to chance. It's, it's going to be a great finish to the group stages, mate. I think yeah. both, I've really enjoyed the format of this competition. I enjoyed mm. the qualifiers because it gave more um, more eyes on the prize to the associate nations. Mm. And then there's the prize of getting through to this competition. And I, I just think it's been good. I think it's been a high-quality competition, really, really good format, and it's got meaningful cricket going on pretty much every single time. Um, I just wanted to check, how many games have the West Indies played now? Three. So the West Indies, I'm just putting this out there, the West Indies can Ooh. get up to six points as well. Their net run rate is horrendous, so there's probably no chance of them going <laughs> through. But if but. the West Indies beat Sri Lanka and beat them well, and beat Australia and beat them well, and England mm. smashed South Africa, West Indies just have the slightest iota of chance <laughs> of coming in on the outside. But it's just it's just what well points going into the final few games. Absolutely, we'll see, mate. Looking forward to uh, to all these games coming up, especially that New Zealand Afghanistan. I'm sure you there's a nation over there, mate, where you're living. Um, that uh, that will be nervous, nervous for that one. Yeah, I think I'll be wearing my Beige Brigade top on my meetings on Zoom today because we're in lockdown and uh, <laughs> nice. everyone likes it. Everyone likes seeing an Englishman wearing a Beige Brigade top. <laughs> <laughs> one of them, one of them. <laughs> um, I think that'll do it for today, guys. We've yep. gone 38 minutes. Uh, really good conversation. Thanks for the, the, the calls in the chat as well. They're really good engagement with us. We are available on all podcast platforms. Subscribe to the YouTube channel if you are brand new around here, guys. Thank you so much for listening. We're going to see you back towards the end of the group stages after the England-South Africa game next. Mm -hmm. We'll see you then.